Wither needs food. Bad height. Mr. Williams? How's it going? Hey, man. So, what what do people know you from besides ASA? Do you have something you write at? Forgive me. Yeah, so, um, my personal blog is Data Science FC. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, so... so- which and we love we love having you at American Soccer Analysis. It's it's really fun. Sorry the banter doesn't happen. It's starting to pick up there on Slack okay. as far as some of the uh, some of the good fun conversations like we used to have. But uh, yeah, it's starting to pick up. So you recently went to uh, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference and did you you attended the uh, the uh, pregame <laughs> for nerds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. Um... It was actually awesome. Uh, it was the first time that I was in a physical surrounding of soccer analytics geeks. Um, I mean, it was it was amazing. Got to put a lot of names to faces. Uh, got a chance to meet Chris Anderson and David Sally and Howard uh, with Soccer Metrics. Um, I think Devin was also there. Some folks from Opta uh, Pro were also there. So it was really a great opportunity, you know, for a layperson such as me to meet people that are uh, deeply involved in this uh, industry on a professional level. No, yeah, I know that that kind of coming away from that uh, kind of changed my perspective. And actually, um, it really kind of hooked, at least for me, that pre-party kind of hooked me in with some people and, and kind of leveraged our, our chance to create ASA. So, um that was, that's kind of a fun thing. We also have Justin who uh, sits over here and, and and plays in our nerdy fantasy league. He's kind of joining the podcast today. And then, of course, as always, Sean Steffen. Uh, feel free to ask questions. We're going to kind of run down some of the different things that happened uh, over the course of SSAC, mm-hmm. which uh, it's, it's a huge conference. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever gone before, but it's really overwhelming. Yeah, it's uh, this was the record, I believe, it was four thousand uh, people that came by. Um, I'm pretty sure last year they were about half of the entire second floor. This year they took up the entire second floor of the Boston Convention Center. Wow, that's that's massive. Wow. Um, so the presentation, the soccer analytics. Uh, portion of it the the actual um presentation it Mm -hmm. always kind of seems to be under a lot of scrutiny as far as a lot of people uh, you you, in football and in baseball and it doesn't really matter what sports it is it feels like most of they talk a lot about peripheral things they don't talk about a lot of meat and potatoes. And that's kind of the yeah. one of the biggest gripes and complaints. And I, I hate to kind of <laughs> start off towards the top of this as, as talking about some of the negatives. Uh, but I, I'd rather start off with that and then go towards the positives. Yeah, so I can 100% agree with that. Um, the soccer analytics um, panel that was uh, hosted 
by uh, forget his name. He's with Andrew Weeby. Yeah, yeah. So he was hosting it, and uh, he had Chris Anderson, Blake Wooster, uh, Devin Pueller, Gabriel Marcotti, and Paul Carr on the uh, panel. Um, it was a little underwhelming for me, uh, as it was the first soccer analytics uh, panel that I was able to actually attend in person. And the reason I say it was underwhelming is there were a ton of coy answers. So just like you said with the meat and potatoes, uh, nobody really wanted to give anything up. Obviously, there's <laughs> you know, competition that exists amongst clubs. And uh, Chris Anderson is now in an executive position. So I assume that every word that he says in a public setting is scrutinized. But um, well, on top of that, uh, Devin Ploler is also he works mm-hmm. for Toronto FC. So, yeah. I mean, there, there's yeah. a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of gamesmanship there in that in that respect, too. What were you going to say, Sean? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that it seems very similar to like what we were talking about last week where everyone wants to protect their data and, you know, it makes sense from a money standpoint, but it doesn't move the science forward. Yeah. Um, I can 100% agree with that. And an interesting thing that happened is um, about a third of the way through that carried on through uh, the latter half of the panel was a conversation on expected goals. Um, And, you know, that was kind of, the panel's way of conversing with the soccer analytics community at large. Uh, For the most part, the panel seemed to agree that expected goals was a solid um, piece of a industry toolkit, if you will. Um, The consensus also seemed to agree that it's more of a metric rather than something that can be used to dramatically impact game strategy and tactics. Um, which was interesting for me that, again, I'm not sure if, you know, they were being coy or what, but nobody really wanted to give up any inside information. And, you know, they seem to say that the analytics community has somewhat uh, stalled in the sense of nothing really outstanding has come out and that they're always looking. Well, and that's something that, I mean, even in ASA Slack, we have uh, we have Aaron Nielsen who, who kind of joined up to kind of help mo- motivate us and kind of keep uh, – kind of do this exact thing to where we're starting to work together with other people. And we're trying to invite people that don't necessarily write for ASA but can spark some ideas. And, we you know, we, we've kind of added a little bit of talent in, the, in, in that way to kind of orchestrate some of the conversation and start getting beyond – you know, just, uh, okay, what do we know now? Let's start asking right. some questions and let's just start, start playing around with stuff. I mean, the worst thing that you're going to do is you're going to find out, Hey, there's no correlation or there's no relationship in the data uh, sets, which is fine. I mean, you, you're going to run into a lot of that. That's stuff that we, we already know, but I think transitioning to kind of the expected goals, Justin, this was something that you and I kind of had a lot of conversations about, um, as far as there's a lot of stuff that expected goals obviously doesn't incorporate. Yeah. And Harrison and I, and I were just kind of spitballing today about, you know, the X goals model and, you know, what else could be added to it. And one of the things we were talking about today was, um, uh, if I understand Sean's article correctly is, you know, when a shot is taken, how many opposing players are in front of the, the shooter, um, mm-hmm. And not just, you know, the distance to the goal, the the size of the goal mouth and things like that. Um, because, you know, if we had those locations, I think you could, you know, show 
I mean, with some certainty that, you know, if you have a, a player at the top of the 18 shooting at the goal, just the goalkeeper is a much higher chance of scoring than, you know, at the top of the 18 with four defenders just standing in front too. So, but well, not um, only that, but it can also go into who's taking shot selection, right? Who's taking good shots when they have a defender in their face versus who's ta- who's missing wide open shots or who's even taking really uh, poor um, shots that they shouldn't be taking. The wasted wasted opportunity that's going to turn around possession and and start off a, a counter attack. I mean, these also, are things that should be you know considered. We also have peripheral data that does suggest how important it is. Um, uh, we had a couple articles, I believe, last year uh, that showed um, counterattacking teams do better um, or tend to uh, outperform the model. Which, yeah. you know, which, when you are on the counter, you're facing fewer defenders. Yeah. Um, fewer uh, shots, but better quality shots. Right. And, yes, and there are fewer people in front. Um, there's also, uh, I know, like, Michael Cayley, um, um, he does, like, speed of play. I think a lot of that also is peripherally showing um, sort of the defenders if you're faster in play. You're going to have fewer defenders there, the fewer set. And not um, just uh, fewer d- defenders, but you probably ha- don't have them in as good a position. Cause mm-hmm. they're yeah, exactly. They're not set. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is why, like, uh, measuring Fabian Castillo's impact on the field, um, I'm currently doing, like, a, uh, something similar to the Audi Index. And that's he's, he's the kind of player I'm going to be interested in because, like, it's not going to show up in a lot of the, in a lot of the the metrics I'm using, but I feel like the value of taking someone on, getting past them at speed, and getting getting in a position before anyone is set is largely it's at the moment impossible to measure, but um, for us at least, but is incredibly valuable from what we see from him. Yeah, and that's why he's he's been shredding defenses, and that's mm-hmm. why he gets the start every week. Now, obviously, you know, with expected goals in general, there there's a lot that we can point out that that is wrong with with them. But I think it's kind of interesting that um, the the agreement of the panel, or at least this is my takeaway uh, from reading a couple different argu- articles, was that expected goals doesn't influence their tactics, and that's kind of surprising to me in the sense that um, pre- expected goals is somewhat predictive. Um, I say somewhat because anything like in the data set that we have right now, you know, we're two games into it. Obviously, we're gonna we're not gonna know very much. I, there's just casual relationships there that we can't really substantiate until we get about 16 games into the season. That's when our model we know um, we can have confidence in that there's that the, the second half of the season is gonna play out relatively close to how we might think at that stage and at juncture. So with that being said, you would think that once you start getting later on in the season, that that would start influencing some of your decision making. And even probably three, uh, I'd say, you know, a third of the season through, you start looking at it, you start looking at trends, you start looking at, okay, why is this, you know, starting to develop? And you start asking questions. And I'm not saying necessarily it should ultimately, you know, you know, bench a guy, but there's also some, some needed questions that should be asked, I think. What, uh, Kareem, what did you, did you take away any of that, anything like that from the, from the panel? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely I can piggyback, um, as, as you mentioned, and as I mentioned before, um, expected goals isn't really included for tactics. It's kind of like a nice thing to look at. Um, you know, it, it really helps for understanding players and making sure that, uh, you have decent projections and, 
primarily for goal setting um, so that coaches can go over their players and say, okay, this is what you know we think is a good target for you this season, and this is why we think that. Um, I think it's, it's really interesting because uh, Dan Altman had a really interesting piece uh, in the competitive advantage discussion about oppositional analysis where he tied in um, expected goals with uh, the origin of the fast break, which was his piece was about uh, stopping Leicester City and how to do so. Um, and I think something that's going to be important for the soccer analytics community to look into is, you know, the stages of expected goals. Um, so if you were to look at expected goals as like a dimensional problem, looking into the second to third to fourth dimension of what exactly are the expected goals going to start and uh, finish at. So what he was talking about was, um, you know, how does Conte and how does uh, drink water affect the expected goal, um, and how does you know Leicester just start these tremendous counterattacks? And pretty much, you know, obviously he talks about how the long ball is core to their game, and how a lot of chances start off with uh, uh, Schmeichel and uh, I think it's Huth and other defenders. Um, but it's the midfield that's important because you want to have a linear direction, and then in as a result of doing an overall analysis, the expected goals model is core to that of how you can project to see, okay, is this team's chance going to actually turn into a goal? And if so, where does that player, that individual player, that Conte and Drinkwater, affect that? And it was pretty interesting because you would think that certain uh, players had a tremendous impact on uh, a goal. But it's 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 not really down to just one individual if you're looking at a on a team basis. Oh, that might have been a little bit scattered, but no, no, no. That's that's excellent. That's that's phenomenal. That you know, that's that's a really good article, and I'll have to find that and link it uh, in the in the podcast. Uh, um, what is that? Wherever we post it, there on the web page. <laughs> uh, I'll make sure to find that and and Can I interject it. with the I guess a question to open up. Um, I've always found it interesting that um, I think maybe a little bit of a fallacy that the the brightest minds in um, soccer analytics are focusing on the biggest leagues and they always complain. Well, expected goals does a really poor job at um, at predicting the best teams. And I feel like in terms of the data setting, why are you going to an unbalanced league? I feel like, especially when we look at MLS, when we have a league of parity, I feel like you can have a lot more sound conclusions about your data when your data isn't as biased. Because if you complain that you can't measure Barcelona, well, Barcelona is a huge anomaly in the in the vast you know data set of soccer. Uh, in MLS, there are no Barcelonas, and I think you know uh, I I think that's just a, just a little interesting that maybe that's why it's kind of stalling a bit. It's uh, they're trying to measure teams that are that are uh, too good to, to measure, I guess. Uh, does that make sense? Well, there's a talent gap. I mean, right. there absolutely is. I mean, you did, you and I have discussed this before, even on this podcast, about the fact that there's not any elite shooters in MLS, not with Obafemi Martins now transferring. So the, now the question then begins, you look over to England, who are the elite shooters over there? Uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to impact games huge. 
a, a significant more, a significantly more than what most strikers over in the M- in MLS are going to. But do you think that affects findings in the field and a fallacy of trying to apply that across all of soccer? So, um, you know, what I've mentioned in Michael Kaley's article, he said that good forwards outperform, outperform at this rate. And then it's like, well, that's that's true in EPL, but it's not really true in MLS. So either there aren't good forwards in MLS or, you know, this is something exclusive to EPL. I, I think it's... Uh, I think we're focusing a little too much on the very best and not looking at, you know, the whole spectrum of soccer. Well, and I think that people kind of get caught up in the fact that expected goals is one number. And so they kind of look at it, well, it can't measure everything. And I, I think that that's a little bit of a fallacy too, because especially when you start comparing to teams and you start saying, um, and, and Justin, we talked about this with expected goals against with DC United and RSL and Sean, we've, we've also had the same conversation it's pretty apparent why they why they out why they beat their expected goals it's the goalkeepers and and while we can't necessarily measure all those things that's something that we can kind of start taking away some of the tactics and say okay this is this is why this might be and at least it start poses a theory right it might just be expected goals and you can't necessarily nail it down i feel like because we're dealing with guys that are incredibly smart they miss, or at least maybe they they under they under um, value simplest simplicity. Mm-hmm. I would yeah, agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was huge um, at the panel discussions was the importance of uh, simplicity and the importance of not getting carried away with analytics at clubs, um, but to make sure that we have you know a simple understanding of the game and the interconnected pieces. And I've gotten into this a little, and I've um, talked to uh, data analysts who work at clubs, and um, th- they've told me, like, keep you, when you work at a club, it's important to keep everything as simple as possible because ultimately you have to explain it to a manager. And, and the manager has to trust you and implement it. And if it's too over their head, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think that's true. Like, a lot of the times I'll open up a, a paper, and I'm not from, like, a deep math background, I'll open up a you know a paper and see all these like symbols and so I'm just like it, it my eyes glaze over you know and there's just there's simp- simpler ways of doing these things. No, you you know what it's funny that you guys say that and we'll kind of end it on this. Um, we I linked a thing in our podcast for an article that the uh, Sloan Sports Conference has you know the their yearly. Um, their yearly papers that they kind of uh, publish as far as who wins their. Uh, and I, I forgive me, I, I don't really remember what the what the whole award is um, that they do it. But there's there's everybody submits their their MIT uh, SSAC um, papers and mm-hmm. they, they win certain, you know, they, of course, they get graded and they win certain categories. And, and right now, uh, the one for soccer was the pressing game, optimal defensive disruption in soccer. And it's a phenomenal it, it's phenomenal what I've read so far. But that being said, everything that they applied and all the mathematics that that went into them trying to find this this information, and I would imagine the hours that they put into this, um, that's really – I can applaud them. But Jared has something in Peace Corps that's almost exactly the same, and it takes him a whole lot less to, to yeah. really do all the computations for it. 
and a lot of their conclusions I did with the shot limiting thing in terms of like the disruption of the lines. So yeah, exactly. I, I saw a lot of the same. I mean, I don't want to be critical of these guys that through that. I mean, obviously it's really well thought out. It's really well prepared. It's really, I mean, they get, they get tens across the board. There's a reason why they're finalists, you know, for, for the Sloan sports comp uh, conference. But I wonder just how much was really added to what's already there to try to get that. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, I, I think it's sort of probably adding more deeper analysis to something that can be easily measured in the same fact that people, one of the criticisms of expected goals has been, you can get pretty much the same results uh, by looking at shots on target. And while that's true, you can't do predictive things with shots on target per game. So that's while yeah, you, you can't look at a shot and say, based on whether it's on target or not and say it has this percentage. You can do that with expected goals, even though in the aggregate, it's pretty much the same. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to run through some MLS, and uh, yeah, we'll probably get a little geeky with our uh, our fantasy teams. So we'll, we'll be right back. Yo, I'm clearly a nerd, but don't look the part. Severely absurd, nerd in my heart. So I peel back the mask, let them peer in, let them bask in the vast rap task that they're hearing. This ain't nerd core, man. This is nerd life. This is nerd pride, yeah, man. You heard right. Outside got a mainstream interior. Inside has my true love for material. Alright, welcome back. Uh, Sean's looking up his own stats because I'm not gonna pose him questions and set him up so he can hit home runs and be all cool. No, he's gotta do that himself. I, I feel like that's that's should be a requirement here. You're a terrible host. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So let's. That's like Conan O'Brien going, sitting there. It's just like, what? Are you gonna talk or what? Like, I'm not like just not asking questions, just staring at the guest. <laughs> just, like what? What are you? <laughs> First of all, if I'm anybody, I'm Jimmy Fallon. Um, second of all, <laughs> yeah, let's just move on to the games. Um, <laughs> all right, so Orlando City, Chicago. This this was a fun first half, crappy second half, and how Orlando didn't come away with a second goal um, is just kind of puzzling, especially up a man. Um, probably the biggest story out of this thing will be Chicago Fire's five-man backfield uh, for the first, I don't know, the first 30 minutes before Michael Harrington basically uh, put studs in some in somebody's in Breck Shea's uh, groin, I believe. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, then, well, the funny thing was, is Servando Carrasco did the same exact thing in the second half, and did did he even get a yellow card for that? I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna feign ignorance. I, I didn't watch too much of the second half very closely. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of uh, groin kicking going on that that night. So. <laughs> oh, they. You know what? Good for Orlando City. Good for good for them. Um, the old GTR, the groin kick ratio, or <laughs> GKR, GKR. The <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know what that you know that would be kind of interesting in the sense of where where do penalty kicks uh, kind of develop and, and how frequently what's the ratio at which they're given. You know, if you can get hey, if you only get dinged for it two out of three times, it might be worth you know groin kicking Seba every once in a while. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, so shots 13 to 10. It looks like uh, 
Orlando City had five shots on target to Chicago's two. You know, Chicago looked dangerous with David Akam, and outside of that, I'm I, I, I want to believe in Chicago this year. I just can't. They're gonna be fun. They're gonna be a lot more fun to watch. They'll score a lot more goals, but I, I just think they're gonna give up just as many. That defense is bad, man. Yeah. But uh, you know, I give um, who's the head coach now, Ponovich. I yeah. give him I give him credit for, you know, having the stones to roll out with a. I think was it a three man back line? Yeah. Oh yeah. Three. Yeah. I said five, but yeah, it's a five mid five man midfield with three okay. at the back. So right. three five two. So uh, I mean, good for him for you know not just rolling out with the flat four four two like every other coach and uh, you know trying to generate some offense. So. Well, right. I mean, the idea was we're going to just flat out outscore the other team. I mean, that's what it kind of appeared. And they still came away with the point. I mean, so I can kind of diss on the fact that they that I'm not confident in their defense. But I mean, I think that's kind of a mischaracterization sometimes of the three, five, two. Um, If you look at what was employed in the World Cup, it was primarily for the counterattacking teams. And if you look at how that team is built specifically, that's. That's like the most uh, in the East, the most dangerous team on the counter. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they they with with basically um, two semi uh, Fabian Castillos up at the top. I mean, that's basically what they're there to do is sit out there wide and then just run inside. Semi Castillo. <laughs> well, I mean, that's basically what they are, right? I, I, I like the designation. <laughs> Thank you. That that's the best designation I could come up with off the top of my head. So. All right, so moving on, you had New England, D.C. and an awesome yellow card fest draw. Uh, please tell me. It, it was really cute that New England tweeted out earlier today the fact that, like, the match, player of the game. And it was Lee Wynn, and it was, like, two shots that they <laughs> reshot over and over. It was, like, different <laughs> angles, and then in slow-mo – and then there was one with him like having a layoff or a dummy. Maybe it was even a dummy. So like like that was that was their match player. Of the game. It was kind of embarrassing to me personally. And really, there was more to take away. I mean, they had 18 shots. And it, it wasn't as if they didn't uh, generate any attack against DC. Um, it was just yeah. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure for anyone listening, I'm a DC fan, and the whole 90 minutes just felt like you know, a competition and mediocrity and futility. I mean, <laughs> well, good, it, good shots on net that, you know, or shots that should have been on net that were shanked wide. Um, really, you know, some good buildup play and then continuously resulting in, you know, uh, a duffed pass or, you know, a stupid interception, something like that. Looking at it right now and I, I'm, Trying to figure out all this stuff. Yeah, Lee Wynn had four shots. I don't know why they showed two. Uh, that, that's kind of confounding. Maybe they weren't cool, uh, cool shots. But he had four shots. He kind of led the led both sides. Uh, Acosta with uh, three shots there for DC. He's he's looking uh, kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I mean the the jury is kind of still out right now. Obviously. Um... DC fans are very excited about him because he's got a great pedigree and um, 
in terms of ball handling skills, you know, some people think he's kind of on the same level of Javinko. You know, it, it looks like he's got a string that goes from the ball to his foot. Um, but once he gets himself in great positions, the, just the final pass or the shot just isn't there yet. And, you know, I think a lot of it is just he's not quite on the same page with his teammates and, you know, DC's new scheme, the new formation. It, it just hasn't really sunk in yet. So I think it'll be a few more weeks before we can say, you know, hey, this is starting to look like it might work, or um, no, it won't. <laughs> yeah, so D.C. United, Ben Olsen kind of getting jiggy with it. 4-1-2-1-2 is the official formation that I'm seeing here in front of me. Um, it's a little different. That's, that's, I mean, Ben Olsen not known for his tactical genius. I mean, no offense to him. I mean, it's not like he's had a lot of, a lot of pieces to really – it doesn't matter. It's rearranging often uh, the, what is it? The chairs on the Titanic is the phrase. Yeah, the deck chairs. Yeah, Yeah, the deck chairs. So, I mean, it's not like he's had a lot to work, work with over the years. But this is kind of a kind of interesting. And that's the second game in a row that uh, Lamar Nagel starts up top. So it looks like they're pretty intent on using him in that forward role. Spindle yeah. was injured, right? Yeah, he came down with a, a hamstring tweak um you know when he's healthy he can be a game changer but unfortunately at his age he's becoming more injury prone which is is kind of a bummer so but a fantasy game changer because he shoots a lot not an actual game changer because he doesn't score a lot <laughs> <laughs> do you oh, have as who burn. has Spindola in our in our fantasy league i do he does he, i nominated him went been, after him hard <laughs> yeah, he got me, I think, two points the first week and a big fat goose egg this week. Oh. So, um, although I didn't, I didn't start him in week two. I, um, who did I start? I started um, Kevin Doyle, who got me a whopping two point two five points. <laughs> wow, really? Is that it? Did he did he sub out in the first half? Nope. Uh, I, I don't even. It wasn't even that. Like he Both got. Halves. Nope. <laughs> He got yeah. 16 passes, one shot on goal, and no defensive actions. That's it. Yep, I got the same thing with Robbie Keane. For this is the thing with forwards in, in this uh, scoring system. Uh, they'll average, uh, even the good ones will average. You know, like oh, a 12 a game, but that's not steady. It's like 31 game, like zero <laughs> the next. And especially guys like Keane or whatever, if they have a bad game, it's terrible because he's not going to get you the defensive actions. He's not going. That's why guys like Spindler are great because they'll always get you the shots. Yeah. Speaking of which, do you want to roll into the Colorado-LA game? I know we're skipping ahead a little bit. No, no, that's fine. Let's do it. Uh, there wasn't too much to really pull out of uh, RSL Seattle, so we can kind of skip that. It looks like maybe uh, J- Jordan Morris comes down with concussion. We'll find out more about that in the, in the coming weeks or in the well, coming Z- days. Ziggy says he's fine. And we'll, we'll see about that. Fre- uh, Freiburg is the one uh, who uh, that, uh, that looks to be um, – out i think uh what i'm seeing the problem with that team is uh right now even Schitz and freiburg don't have a backup because rodan is kind of uh, alonzo's backup and i think they kind of suffer when either of them goes down and the last couple uh and i think both games one of them has gone right or uh i think no uh or is a red card in the game before I yeah the, for the first yeah, time had it. a red card and that that right. always changes things exactly yeah. right so, uh, so, so is the issue with Seattle now that they don't have very good depth? 
Oh, I, I, yeah. They, and that's, I mean, and, I never thought I'd say that with a team that's being headed up by Garth Loggerway, but, you know. Yeah, they went from being the Hydra to the, yeah, to the it, just one-headed monster. Well, and it's not just one-headed as far as the attack is concerned. <laughs> I mean, I they have Nelson Valdez, who, despite the fact that he's not got a huge scoring acumen, he he definitely can score. You have good, yeah. Dempsey, you have Jordan Morris. So you have pieces on there that that no one's going to necessarily take the lion's share. The problem is that they're averaging seven shots a game and you can't win consistently if you're going to take seven shots a game. And that's just that's what it comes down to. They had they had more looks this time. And it's a, it's a lot of frustration on my end um, just because I see um, I see hesitation. And well, I don't I, know if it's just they're not comfortable yet as a as a collective, but I'm going to come back to a I'm going to unwithdraw my initial complaint with the 4-3-3 in Seattle, which was my complaint was you're moving back when they had Oboes, you're moving Dempsey away from Oba and away from goal. I'm starting to see that again, even though it worked fairly well in the first half against Club America. Uh, especially since I have Dempsey on my team, I'm seeing it in the points. Dempsey's had two really bad games in terms of no, he's shots. definitely getting further and further away from goal. That was actually that was a that was actually a pretty big topic coming away from the game was uh, how much further and how much deeper he's sinking into the midfield to get that ball. So yeah, I, I well, think that, that's that's going to be tactics that Siggy's going to have to uh, figure out. From the other side, Salt Lake is looking really good. Uh, I, I disagree. I thought they they looked bad in that game um, in the buildup. Uh, just without Morales, I think um, the big thing was uh, they had a Diolabe goal with obviously um, just some set piece. Uh, I don't think Jordan Allen really, um, he had a decent game, uh, stepped up. Uh, In the first half he did. It was once Seattle made it made some adjustments. It's not even the first half. The first 20 minutes, Allen was kind of interesting. And after that, he kind of went away. Uh, I would just I think Artisel did not have a um, as good a game as they're capable of, and we've seen them have against Tigris and uh, not really Orlando, but against Tigris. Uh, jumping over to the Colorado Rapids LA game, uh, Sean, I know that this is going to be some heartburn for you, buddy. Um, I actually don't have a lot of rant on this one. Really? I mean, they just took a lot of shots from outside the zone. Nine shots outside the box. I'm sorry, that was Colorado. Yeah, uh, here's the thing about Colorado. They shoot a lot. That's their thing now. And um, it's super interesting that they are not scoring at the moment. I think they're going to start, too, especially with Gashi. I think that's a team to watch, especially as they get their attacking um, midfielder situation squared away. Um, I-, I think fans, uh, LA fans were complaining um, about the game. I'm like, uh, you know, not being able to close out. Obviously, it's disappointing uh, to lose in the final seconds. But it's like, look, what are you expecting when you go in without your your primary chance creator, which even though Geo hasn't looked good this season and Bruce hasn't used them where you would like um, him to be in terms of creating chances, he still is your main chance creator. Um, so, you know, I have Mike McGee up top, and so you have no chance creation in the midfield, and then you have a guy starting his second game, um, Daniel Starris, um in Major League Soccer, um, at, at center back, and then um, you know everyone's like, well, he had a great uh, game uh, to start the season. Well, second game, and his clearance uh, was poor and went to Marco Papa. Um, like, 
I think a tie was the best you could hope for in this game, and they pretty pretty damn near got it. So I'm I'm not really overly upset about this. Like wins are pretty hard to come by in in, in MLS. So I don't I'm not really too worried about. It. I think going forward the issues are the same. I don't learn anything. It's how are they going to fit Gio into this team? So uh, Marco Papa with three shots in his uh, sub appearance. So that's that's kind of impressive. Um, yeah, they they are a team that's just going to take a a boatload of shots, and for once, that's you know at least that's more interesting than trying to find leveraged you know high leverage shots. They're not afraid. They got five shots uh, right around the penalty area. So I mean, you you can kind of point to you know the other uh, nine shots outside the box and be a little frustrated, but it also opened up some opportunities for later on in the game, and obviously that kind of ended up coming home to roost on some miraculous play that probably won't be re- wouldn't have been repeated if it, they tried it again but um you know takeaway is Colorado has three points and they're shooting more and that's kind of interesting we'll see where that goes Justin did you have you, you kind of pointed this game out do you have anything extra for him no I mean I was just curious to get Sean's take. I missed uh, I missed the Colorado LA game. Um, the only thing I really caught about it was Bruce Arena's um, you know bitter comments afterwards about five minutes of extra time. <laughs> but uh, he's such you know, a whiner. He's such a big like crybaby whiner. It's it's even as an LA fan, I hate it. Just yeah, well, hate it. Know, I I don't. If it were my coach, I would hate it too. But you know, generally speaking, if you're a fan of the league, you gotta love Bruce Bruce Arena. You know, knee jerk reaction comments. They're they're golden. Well, they're funny, I mean, but there's, yeah, there's but he never takes responsibility. Four, there's about three or four good coaches with knee jerk reaction quotes that are always just they're they're a blessing to this league. Yeah, yeah my my favorite quote of the weekend was Paulo Mastroni said. Uh, uh, he said, I keep telling you guys that coaches – they asked him like uh, about the subs, trying to give him credit. He's like, I keep telling you guys that coaches don't win games in this league. And I was just like, that's that's a what? hilarious comment. Uh, saying that coaches don't win games like the players do. I'm like, that's a really funny comment coming from a coach who doesn't win games. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's why he hasn't won a lot of games. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean – let's let's step back and let's think about that for a second i i'm kind of inclined i i'm kind of inclined to agree with it oh i am too it's just just the he's the wrong person to raise it (laughs) right right okay fair enough fair enough yeah that's prop uh probably doesn't uh probably doesn't cause too much uh i don't know job security for the future for him right um, looking over at Montreal and New York, Montreal just kind of demolished New York. And everyone's going to go ahead and go to the Montreal side. And, you know, Ignacio Piatti is amazing. We all know this. We knew this last year. This isn't a shock for us, right? Yeah, I mean, he's also on a ridiculous two-game pace. He's not going to score 50 goals this year as he's on pace to. Right. Right. But he's definitely going to be an influence. Uh, oh yeah. And yeah. As and as teams continue to focus in on him, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Harry Ship is going to be able to do. And Harry Ship himself kind of had an interesting game. So I, I mean, he he created several opportunities, uh, just worked really well uh, finding his way into that hole. I, I thought he was kind of fun. His touches 
um, really showed heavy on that left side. So it seems like he's kind of, at least at this point, kind of used to playing on the left side. I, I I'm excited to see where he's get, where he's going to go for for this team because I think that once teams start keying on Piotti a little bit more and start designating whoever that central defensive player will be kind of just tracking him, I think it's going to open up space for Ship to do some really fun things. And and at that point, Drogba should be back as well. Um, and you know Montreal is they are on a ridiculous pace so far two games in, but I mean if you look at how they're playing, if you threw Drogba into the mix, I mean that's a scary looking monster to have to play against. Um, Piotti's a great playmaker. Ship is a great passer, especially with through balls and yeah, you know, I, you know Drogba. People make fun of him. Oh, you're not playing on turf, whatever. Um, you get him on a natural surface, and uh, you know he just tore defenses up last year towards the end of the season. They, so. they have only played two winless teams, right? Because it's New York and uh, Vancouver, right? But the, I mean, let's, let's yeah. going into this yeah. game, going into this season, pre week one, those were two of the best teams, at least on paper. Why wouldn't yeah. never trust pre? predictions because you don't see how it works on the field i think there's always going to be a question of new york's back line and there's yeah, always going to be a fair. question of how um vancouver reshaped their midfield They're, they took out a defender to put in another attacker and that's um while it could be for the better it's definitely hasn't worked out for them so far but i mean i would put a little more stock in the the red the red bulls as montreal's opponents than uh who was it vancouver um with the exception of their center backs, that was the same exact Red Bull squad that did really well last year. Um, and for me, having two of the, the New York Red Bulls players on the fantasy team, um, Lloyd Sam and Felipe, um, they didn't do well. They they kind of got bossed by Montreal and the yeah. high pressure, the high pressure defense, and uh, you know, pass like crazy when you have possession. It uh, it didn't work, and, and Montreal exploited it. Oh, yeah, SKC also took it to Vancouver. I'm on the same, by the same token, I would say. Um, I, I don't think either of those teams has hit stride yet. No. Well, I mean, let's I, 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 let's redirect real fast to Bradley Wright Phillips, who I kind of want to talk about. Phillips, of course you do. You know what? I love the guy. He has three shots in... Uh, in two games. That's so, all? That's all. He didn't have any shots at all the first game. Wow. Well, then he had a good second game. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's that's not necessarily true because the... Well, I mean, three shots is a good... I mean, if you're going just by shot totals, three is a good shot total for four. That's in the high category. Sure, sure. Well, three sure, shots sure. is what you want to average, right? That's what you want. Three shots inside that... Um, Inside the penalty area, that's well, what I mean, you don't. Ideally, I think 3.5 is considered a high volume shooter. Yes. So, yeah, you're not going to get three in. The, well, three to in four, the box. right? So you, somebody, somebody hitting like three and a half, three, three point six. That's really what you want. Three itself is kind of on the low end. You want over that three and a half mark, right? Well, 3.5 is the average used when um, you split. Uh, I'm just going by the Michael K article when he did the three categories, and the average uh, for the high end was 3.5. So I think it was from three to on was the full uh, data set. Okay. Well, fair enough. Um, looking over at Columbus and Philadelphia, 
I did not start um, Chris Pontius, although I will tell you right now, I went back and forth up until game time uh, between him and Morris. And, yeah, kind of wishing I would have started Chris Pontius after he uh, puts two in the net. And let's Well, you should have traded him to me, Harrison. Well, we did have, we did have that little side thing going on right before right before the weekend, didn't we? Um, yeah. Then now's a perfect time to trade Pontius because he's still not he's still a bad uh, investment for that team. So well, still high. let's be honest, right? So those goals that he scored weren't necessarily. Everybody's gonna go. Well, he's he's finally back on the MLS All Star, you know, track. No, no, he's yeah. not. No, no, he's not. Um, the, the first goal he got lucky where the defender and who was it? Sapong totally missed the header yeah. and he just tapped it in. And then the second goal was, it was either a, a blocked shot or a bad clearance. And, you know, Pontius came out of space with no one marking him. And it, you know, it, it'd be hard not to miss that. Well, and it's great. It's great to see that he's capitalizing on opportunities. He should, right? Because even with that shot that he should, the, the second goal that he should have scored, it, it he put pace on it. He drove it hard. We've seen time and time again guys put that into the, like the 80th row, right? That's the Ozzy Alonso, the uh, the uh, Janinos, the the mid chronic central midfielder that comes up running after that, and they just boot the snot out of the ball, and it goes into right field somewhere. Pontius drove it home, and he did it with really great accuracy so yeah you know what you, 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 it was very well placed yeah so you you can applaud him for that but with that all the all the hype and all the speculation all the the uh hyperbole that comes with it or hyperbole or whatever you want to say um it, it it's just it, it's so fickle i mean yeah Next week he's gonna come back and not have a goal, and everybody's gonna say, "Well, where is that gonna happen?" You know, <laughs> well, he's not that good. Yeah. You know, all well, of a sudden, and he could have a, he really could have had a better game um, based off of his touches and based off of how he worked with the team. And you know, at nobody's really the wiser. Let's backtrack, man. Did you just say Hyper Bowl? Yeah. As in, like. When the Super Bowl winner, I guess, plays. Well, like some a, people, a, a some, mon- most, alien most people, most people, <laughs> most people say hyperbole and everything. And because, then there's a lot yes. of people. There are a few people that I've heard at least recently um, in the business, in the business realm that have oh, said hyperbole. And oh, I God. was, re- I was really uh, uncomfortable. So, um, you're just biting your tongue, and you're like, "Don't correct them, Harrison. Don't correct them." Right, because I, because I am like the the most junior person at the table, and so uh, I I didn't I didn't want to correct them. So I realized that there's a lot of people that still don't have everything worked out in life, and certainly I'm not someone to start casting stones. There's nothing uh, wrong with it. It's just funny. The, the, together, hyperbole it sounds like Super Bowl, and they, I don't know. It's a great, it's a great term. I heard the Hyper Bowl is actually uh, the MLS Cup equivalent in the Chinese Super League. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Speaking of Super League, Indian Indian uh, Super League MVP being called the hero, uh, the hero. I saw that. Oh my god! Is, hero, hero of the league award. <laughs> that is amazing. Why don't we? Why did someone else have that before us? Hero, <laughs> that's what I want to name. I want to name our our league MVP. So like the player that has um, the most points tallied 
for their team when they're actually being played, I think should get that trophy. We can do it. We'll do it for ASA. Okay. Yeah. We'll go to like a trophy shop, get one of those twenty dollar trophies. Oh, I already told I already told you guys where I am going to I for our fantasy league, I am go I will buy a trophy and I will send it to the person that wins it. So long as the only stipulation I have is when you lose it the following year and I get it, um, I expect you to send it back. Right. Well I think I'm out of it in this aperture, Dude, but I'm going games. But Slow I down, gonna, Sounder fan. I think I'm going to come on strong in the class, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Speaking of heroes. Yeah, Houston Dynamo, our, our new favorite, Ooh. our Ooh. new, our Ooh, new favorite, uh, you know, team that really they stole a lot of our ideas, um, which, you know, we love them for it. Uh, really, we do. I'm glad to see that some team is actually, you know, making use of some of this stuff. They play David Horse. They went out and they're still starting Madonna. They, they're putting these pieces that they had to use. They're starting winger and they're getting excellent results from it. Yeah, yeah they always what? had good attacking players. The problem was they um, weren't their offense type did not match the personnel. So now that their offense matches the person now that they swapped out a Davis for a Maidana and everyone's like, why are they good all of a sudden? It's just like, it's not rocket science. Like it's really about uh, how, how personnel convert chances and that they did not have people who could get on the end of, you know, Davis like crosses, but they do have players who can get on the end of, you know, like Maidana chances and they're playing a lot more direct and it's pretty great to watch. Yeah, it was uh, Owen Coyle and his staff, they did a great job, you know, pulling off that trade, getting Maidana and Wenger from Philly. Um, and I think they just gave them, what, allocation money? Yeah. Um, yes. Well, they gave them uh, allocation, both uh, Gam and Tam. Gam and Tam. And, the, and the, they gave them a draft pick, is that correct? I don't remember. I, I, I know yeah, that yeah. Um, if you, Philadelphia went and um, spent that Tam on Alberg. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. So any the game itself though Houston and Dallas I turned I tuned in at halftime and when I opened my MLS app on my iPhone in the past I've had glitches where it scores from like three years ago and I initially thought that the bro- the app was broken because Houston was up by five on Dallas or four on <laughs> Dallas <laughs> and I was like no this can't be right and of course you know once I booted up MLS Live I was like holy crap Dallas where are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, sadly, uh, Christian Madonna is taken off the field before halftime. I and didn't see the, what happened. Uh, I don't, I can't recall. I do know that, um, interestingly enough, Houston's offense kind of, um, it's funny that Madonna, like, he only had one fantasy point from the game, which really angered me because I kind of predicted that this result was going to happen, not to this degree, but I went out and got him. Um, in my in the MLS no, I, I start I started him and I actually sat a Rudy because I thought that Houston was going to have a good game. I yeah. thought that he was not gonna he was gonna be pretty much useless. Like anyway, like um, Maidana didn't I don't think he had any assists, but he was the mass he was he pulled the strings on all of it. And once he went down, they only had one goal after that. Yeah. Um, but they controlled the game just because Dallas wasn't uh, completely shell shocked at that point. But I mean. Uh, 
I think Maidana continues to be the unsung hero of that team, and uh, he has yet to make anyone's just radar. When you see like the best eleven, like Winger made it this week, uh, uh, the week before I think um, I forget who made it. Uh, Beasley made a bunch of best eleven this week. Mm-hmm. No one's paying attention to Maidana, who made all of this possible. Well, the other side of it is that it's really hard. Um, uh, I shouldn't say For it's people hard. people to admit they're wrong? Well, there's, <laughs> that's a different story in and of itself. It, it's really easy to look at Andrew Winger and look at the hustle, look at him go and steal a ball and run it back and score. I mean, that's pretty evident. And, and people give more credence to that. Um, you know, that try harder mentality uh, that exists within all sports. If you just try harder, you'll win. Um, you know, that's that's where that comes from. You, oh my God, this is such a good segue into the into the San Jose topic. But keep going. Well, that no, that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. And, and <laughs> no one is more prevalent with that than San Jose, who has this Neanderthal. And I've said it before. I'm just gonna call it what it is. It's a Neanderthal type approach of mm-hmm. we're just gonna bang into you and we're gonna try really hard and we're gonna score a bunch of goals. And because we're gritty and because we're so you know veteran-esque and you know we have the experience, we're gonna win. And that's such a load of crap. And you know I had a friend that you know hit me up. I, I'll give him a shout out, Joel. Um, he and I one of my really good friends from Alabama that man, he has such a love for MLS. I've never met anybody in Alabama, uh, in Alabama that knew as much about MLS as he did. It, it, it blew me away. The conversations we'd have. Uh, but you know, he, he told me, he's like, I think San Jose is partially for real. And I think that you're underestimating how organized that back line is. And I think that's, that that's maybe fair <clears throat> to a degree, But they gave up a lot. You even pointed it out. They gave up a lot of danger zone shots. And even if you want to take into uh, game states into uh, account, you kind of had some really uh, pertinent thoughts on that. In fact, you wrote an article about it today. Yeah, I wrote an article today. I got a lot of heat, mainly because of the title, which was Don't Buy the Hype. The San San Jose Earthquakes are Terrible. Um, That's some quality SB Nation headline writing right there. Um, but yeah, I'll go into like the actual meat and potatoes. All the clicks. All exactly, the clicks. exactly. Uh, I'll go into the actual meat and potatoes of the article here. Um, basically, um, and this is only two games, and I emphasize this in the article. Um, but I, my point was, everyone's hyping them when, if anything, they're showing a massive decline. And if they were to keep up what they're doing, they would end up one of the worst teams in league history. That was the thesis of the article. Um, right now, they're averaging 7.5 shots per game. Both of their games are at home, so you don't have a road excuse. Uh, that would be the lowest ever um, in our data uh, if they were to finish the season like that. On, on the flip side, they're giving up 17 shots a game, which would be tied for the most, tied with themselves. Um, from, I believe, 2014, they gave up 17 shots a game. Uh, now, if you look at, like, if you break down, because as we've seen uh, with Seattle, shots... Uh, volume doesn't necessarily translate to expected goals against because sometimes you can limit good shots and ju- just make teams take bad shots. Um, we don't have expected goals data yet, so I had to look at this another way. But it doesn't seem to be the case. If you look at shots in the box, um, see, uh, San Ho- opponents have 34 shots, San Jose has 15. Um, shots in the box, it's 19 uh, for opponents, 6 
in the box for uh, San Jose. So if you do the uh, math on that, that's the percentage of shots in the box for opponents is 56%, and only 40% for San Jose, which means that their opponents are actually have actually been more efficient. So this isn't a case of, well, this is an efficient San Jose team. Uh, so, of course, the difference there is just uh, they've converted 13% of their box shots, opponents only three. So if you break that down even further into the danger zone, which is the which is um, the part of the box that's like right in front of the goal, uh, it, it's um, you start to see what's going on here. Uh, so that's five danger zone shots for San Jose, 11 for opponents. They've given up 11. Um, so um, that's roughly the same percentage-wise. Uh, uh, so, again, not really proficient. They're not uh, going to continue to give up one uh, one goal per two games. Right. So it and um, so I looked at why. Um, so if you look at their danger zone shots and what's going on with them, zero percent of them have been saved. So it's not Bingham. Twenty-seven uh, percent of them have been blocked. That is high. So I'll give them credit. Mainly, it's been Goodson. So uh, that is an element for sure. And I think that that's something to go with the, that organization, right? So as Joel had kind of referenced, there's a little bit of there's a little bit more there, right? Right. But this isn't just a defense problem; it's also offense. It, the whole idea of a deficit is, is it goes both ways. They're not only giving up a lot; they're not covering it on the other end, and it's by huge margin. So their problem has always been that they give up more than they um, or. or Last year, they're pretty much a dice roll because their expected goals and expected goal differential, or their expected goals for and against, are pretty much the same. So it's just a dice roll every game. I think they're going to regress this year, and it's going to be lower because they're just not taking as many shots because they've taken MPG out of the picture. Um, who, Which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, thir- 3.6 um, or 3.5 shots created per 90 for MPG. That is 0.1 behind um, Javier Morales and. Um, Point and point one above Diego Valeri. So and they're, and they're just like, well, he doesn't hustle enough. It's just like he creates half of your average already. Um, so, but just to go further, um, just to finish this off. So uh, the rest of those shots, that'd be 64% of the shots, the danger zone shots they've conceded, have been uh, missed or have been put off target, and 9% have been goals, which means that 73% of shots that San Jose are giving up in the danger zone are uncontested. So you can create a narrative of, oh, the defense is pushing or creating bad shots or whatever, but the fact is that teams are just missing shots against them, and that's probably luck. So great through 2-0, and they're still on pace to be a very terrible team. And, you know, they might shape things up and all that. But the point of the article is, you know, we're looking at small sample size, and they've been extremely lucky, and everyone's praising them for what they've done, when in reality they've done everything wrong, and you can kind of see that in, uh, not in the results, but on in the stats of uh, and what you would expect going forward. I think, and uh, our, our good friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Zach Goldman, kind of said on Twitter, I think you're exaggerating a few things. I don't think that they're going to be the worst team in MLS history. I don't think by far they're anywhere close to being the, anywhere, the worst team in MLS history. That being said, um, I, I do kind of concur with you with your findings in the sense that uh, I think that this is not a good team. Uh, I think that they're largely getting by on luck, and that's that's basically what you're saying anyways so we're saying very much the same things just the degree and the gradient at which 
the badness exists, I think, well, is where we're yeah. where, where the disparity lies. In a, in well, I don't think inclusion. people realize the shot differ, deficit problem, I mean, to the degree of it. And I think that's kind of why people are saying, well, that's kind of because they don't look terrible. They just look boring. But when you really break down like the numbers of it, it is on on level with your, um, I think, 2013 D.C., who had like 13 points out of uh, 34 games or something like that. This uh, is don't me. remind me, dude. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was hey, the, that was the toughest year ever as a sports fan in any sport. <laughs> well, we, three of them were against my team, so <laughs> I remember we were just like, we lost to what? <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> so, following all that up, you you had a really excellent point about uh, uh, Perez Garcia sitting on the bench. And, you know, as sad as it is to see him sitting there, the question kind of arose, I think, on Twitter, and I don't remember who posed it exactly, but it was just who is the best starting 11 that you can put up that's non-designated player? Um, So I I figure this will kind of be a good segue to our end. Um, If you want to throw up a quick uh, suggestions, who would be your goalkeeper? I mean... Yeah, Bill Hamid. Um, although Hamid's injured. I, I, cur- I currently healthy. Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I didn't know that that factored into this magic land of. I, I'm call. I'm, I'm I'm making it more difficult. Although I'd like to and point out that I still take Hamid to, in the long run. To Hamid. Yeah. When it comes to non-DP goalkeepers, you're talking about everyone besides Race and Bully. Um, so really you can pick anybody and it'll be better than the only dp goalkeeper we've had (laughs) although maybe is romando a dp no Mm -mm. wow okay um all right well i don't think romando i don't think romando is romando anymore that really pains me to say it, but I don't. Think... I don't. Th- I haven't seen. I looked at this recently for the Kennedy article. I've not seen dramatic drop in his stats. It, they seem to be normal fluctuations, which we've seen throughout his career. Nothing decline. I just. I, I've seen a lot of him over the last few years, especially with the Sounders facing them every year in the playoffs, and I just. I don't know. It's just decision making. It's just decision making, and it just maybe that's something that doesn't show up in the stats as much, and maybe it hasn't impacted him as much as I'm kind of making it out to be. His decision-making just looks off. And that's, I mean, that that was clear in the Ozzy Alonzo goal. It seemed like it was clear in a couple of circumstances with, um, in CCL. It's just, it was like, why what, why are you doing that? What what was the point of uh, of, what was the point of, of just doing that. I mean, it didn't make any sense to me. Like I, I could really pull zero value from it. And, uh, so maybe I'm just judging him a little bit harsher on that. Uh, I don't know. Quick question. As we go through position by position, are we picking the best team that you can field as was, uh, asked on Twitter? Or are we just picking the best per position? Cause I think that's two very different things. No, that's a good point. Let's four. just, let's just pick out the best player. Okay. Best player for right. the position. Yeah. So all right. Well, afterwards, I do want to give you my best team because I did okay. create one. All right. You told me to think hard. That, that's fine, Sean. <laughs> right back. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, let's count Rogers. 
if you look at Rogers at left and then convert that to right, that's fair. Then he's the that would be the best because there aren't a lot of elite right backs, honestly, in MLS. Yeah. I, I actually I, I would actually yeah. go with Elvis Powell. Yeah, Powell. Uh, the turnovers. Um, yeah, I get I, I get the turnovers, but he he claims and runs down a whole lot more, and he's more effective in the final third. Possibly. I mean, Rogers touches the ball more. Rogers. That's a gets good point. Forward more. Like it, it's more about providing the width than it is about doing anything. The final third. It's letting other people do their thing. But all right, I accept it. So it's it's a toss up. We can agree to disagree, Sean. Mm-hmm. No, there, there's not a right answer here. I said I accept it. Okay. All right, buddy. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. We we're almost done. Center backs. Uh, I think Ike and Waston. Ike Opar and Waston. Wait, a guy who has had season-ending injuries like every year for the past three years? Well, I'm assuming everyone's healthy in this hypothetical because when he's healthy, he is like one of the most dominant center backs in the league. And Beasler is a is a designated player. So I, we, You know what? I was going to ask about that. I wasn't sure if he was. Um, I, I, I would. Uh, did they pay him in. down with Tam or? No, not that I, I... I believe it's Zuzi and Beasley at the moment for them. Okay. I would throw two names out there that I'm kind of sh- kind of shocked you haven't. Um, I would say Lamont Simon. Uh, Laurent oh, Simon. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, Simon. And, ooh. Oh, that hurts me. I forgot about that. And then also... And this is, and this is just Fixing my Fixing that thing. now. Uh, I, I would also throw in there um, Chad Marshall. I think he deserves at least a reference. Maybe mm-hmm. he isn't the second best anymore, but I think he he could be paired with anybody. He could be either the 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 kind of the cerebral partner that just kind of sits there and directs and and soaks and absorbs, or he could be the physical uh, one that's going up there for the aerial challenges for tackling. I think you could play either way uh, with either one of these guys. So um, that being said. Matt Beasler is by far the best center back in the league. Maybe not by far. Maybe that's overestimated. I think Simon is. Yeah, I, Simon. I think Simon is. But, I mean, Beasler is. Matt Beasler. Do you guys realize how many key passes he puts up every year? Well, I mean, if we're going that, by fantasy points versus. I'm just talking about how many shots he, he creates from that back line. It's actually like how he works with. Domed wire up top is just really impressive. Uh, he if he's there constantly the soaking up. Back, then Rafa Marquez was the best this league has ever seen. Yeah, I mean I don't know. For me, center backs, I, I, I'm just looking at pure defensive ability. You know, organizing the back line, interceptions, tackles, block shots. Yeah, Simon um, is Simon is way up there. Uh, and, and the occasional set piece goal is great, but I mean. If I were selecting, you know, a fa- you know, my personal fantasy starting eleven, um, you know, real life, not fantasy points league, I would probably go for, you know, a defensive first center back over one that, you know, attempts a lot of key passes. So that's just me. Although Beasler, to be fair, is is one of the most defensively strong in the league. I just don't think he is the most defensively strong. Yeah, I think he's probably second fair. to someone. I, I so think, I think, I, well, I think he's yeah. well rounded. I think he they they all have different oh, attributes yeah. that make them strong. Uh, in terms of, yeah, who you, I think it makes it worthy of an argument, um, at least. 
right, let's keep this rolling here. Since Left back. I think uh, you can break this into two categories depending on who your midfielders are uh, defensively and whatnot. I think if you want to go offensive, you go with Tierney. And I think if you want to go defensive, you go with Hollingshead. That is, Hollingshead is the most elite defensive left back. Tierney is the most elite offensive left back. What? Where does Demarcus Beasley? Oh, Beasley's a DP, isn't he? He is a DP, and he yeah he wouldn't even even if he wasn't would not factor into this at all. You don't think he's worthy of coming into the discussion? Nope. All I right. think he's up or good, but I don't think he's Justin. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm torn on Beasley. Some some days I'm like, yeah, definitely. And other days I'm like, eh, I'm not that high <laughs> on him. Um, yeah, I have nothing to add on that position. All right, though, let, let's go to the middle of the park in the central midfielders. This is going to be a 4-4-2. 4-4-2 with, with just um, we can put as many attacking mids as we want in here. Like how we – Yeah, yeah. Are we doing wingers versus – yeah, we'll we'll say we'll say you can we'll say one defensive uh we'll we'll put it as a diamond. Okay, that makes it easy. I think, I think for a D mid right now, uh, Dax McCarty. Diago, uh, Diego Chara, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Chara yeah, just those two. Yeah, Chara is probably ahead of McCarty now. He um, you know, watching the last two Portland games, it you know if Chara's not in there, Portland's a mess. Um, he's been great for them. You know somebody who I've really bagged on for the past two years and who just looked pretty good in the first two games? Michael Bradley. You thought, well, he thought he looked good in that defensive midfield uh, forest that they've been playing? <laughs> we didn't even talk about that, the New York playing the WM. We'll save that for another day, but oh man, that was yeah. smart. Like, look. There's no, there's no downside because Toronto doesn't send players forward. Let's just play WM. Pa- Patrick Vieira, man. Uh, um, let me throw mine uh, in. Uh, I would throw in, um, you guys haven't said him. Uh, I think Dayong definitely has to be in there for discussion. Uh, he is good still. Um, I think Will Trap. Oh, Will Trap, good call. Dayong, uh, it's not really like defensive. Like, I wouldn't put him in a diamond, though. I wouldn't put Trap in a diamond. Sure, though. sure. He needs a partner of some kind. I, 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 I think that's fair, but I think he's worth mentioning, you know, defensive qualities and everything. With that being said, Dayong is kind of um, – he's new to the league. I haven't seen a lot of him in my time. I think it's just somebody that I'd rather kind of press pause with and just say, let's come back to, right? Yeah. To wait and see. Yeah, I, I I don't want to throw him in just yet, but I, I think that's a fair kind of inclusion there. Um, going out to left midfield or left winger, whatever you want to. Castillo. Castillo. Country mile. Yeah. Maybe maybe Espria if he can you know fine tune some things this year. What about David Acom? Uh... He's good, but he's not Castillo. Because he was really good, Harrison. <laughs> You're not going to find a better left mid. I defy what? you to find a better left mid. Castillo, I mean, Akam so far this year has doubled what... Uh, Akam is also a DP. What's that? Akam okay. is also a DP. Oh. I just remembered, yes. I'm almost positive I looked at the list today. So, yeah. Fabian Castillo. Okay, Castillo. <laughs> what about right mid? Oof. Right mid's a little bit harder off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to be uh, difficult and 
say that uh, let me put Clash in there because he he has played there. No, I, nah, I refuse nah. to put Finley there. Well, Lee Wynn, he's played there. Or, or are you saying we have to play wingers? That's that's not modern soccer. I, Andrew Winger kind of stands out, not the top, but he's someone that has st- stood up probably middle of the pack. Um, wow. I know you're not going to say this. Ethan two Finley. games. Ethan Finley. Yeah, no, I was yeah. definitely not going to say Finley. Sebastian Legette. I mean, yeah, is Lebet is Lejet a left mid or a right mid? Lejet's a center mid who's been who's playing on as a winger, but sure. Hmm. Okay. He can. He's played both sides. It's essentially the same position unless you're really really bad at it and play it as a straight up up and down crossing position. Because ideally you're cutting inside in the modern game, and at that point you can use either foot. Hmm. Okay. Well, you should be able to use either foot. Lejet can use either foot. Where, where does Sam Lloyd picture into this? Uh, Sam Lloyd's not a player. I think Lloyd's Sam. Lloyd's, damn it. <laughs> hey, when you're talking about a guy with two first names, it's yeah, bound no, to happen. Yeah, I know, but he makes this. He, he does I this do it all time. the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. This is. This is. Actually, yeah, late last week, Harrison hey, Drew, DM'd Drew, me with you... a, a trade and. Um, he said, yeah, I'll trade you so-and-so for Lloyd. And I was like, who's Lloyd? And I had to go to my oh, roster really? sheet. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, think, Drew. I think Lloyd Sam. I, hey, I'm Drew. Gonna... Uh, Drew's out there listening right now. I want you to do a shot. This is this is going to be your new game. You get to drink every time I, I I say it wrong. You're probably actually on your way. So, like, on, on your way to work. So that probably doesn't work. But, um, yeah, I think you should make total game out of this. Okay, I'm gonna agree with you. I think Lloyd Sam's gonna. I'm gonna slide him in there too. He just seems like the best creator uh, out of all of the uh, wonderful options. Yeah. Um, Great last year. Still hasn't got going this year, but that's you know that's the Red Bulls right now. Um, one, a couple other options that we haven't mentioned. Uh, Lucas Milano. Uh, he started out pretty good. Um, Christian Bolanos, who uh, started out with a red card, <laughs> is he? I, I think he might be. A, or did he, he didn't get a red card? Did he get is a, he a DP? I, I, isn't he a DP though? I feel like I'm not sure. He might. No, be. I, might wait. Be no, tamed. I think he's not. I don't. Yeah, he might be tamed. You know, I think it is Tam. Uh, continue. Uh, somebody I really like uh, that I've yet to actually see him finally find that spark that he had back at USL and he really had to start the season. But Kevin uh, Molino is another guy to watch. So you can go right ahead and and bid all your money on him in our draft. Okay. I'm going to do that. Um, Now comes the fun part. The strikers. Uh, What about attacking mid? Attacking mids. Oh, dude. Oh, we forgot attacking. I am so sorry. Attacking mid. We're going to be so, hard-pressed to find non-DP attacking mids that we like. Actually, <laughs> actually no. It's it's super simple. Failhopper, Diaz, and Piotti are all non-DPs. Um, all Kleschen, three of them? Kleschen yes. is not a DP. Oh, Kleschen, Kleschen oh is gosh. not nearly as good as those two. Kleschen is good. Kleschen is not Diaz or Failhopper or Piotti. I'm yeah. sorry. He's good. Yeah. Like, he's top five. But he's not – those are happen to be the th- – like, like t- in my book, one – three and four on the on the list of best attacking mids Piotti's i mean not a DP. I, I thought for sure nope. he was nope 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 he's like four hundred thousand. that's crazy wow. i mean i won't say that you know fail Haber, piotti and diaz 
uh, not being DPs as criminal, but that's, I mean, it's surprising. Uh, here's the thing about Failhopper. Um, they, they picked him up at, at a low point in his career, and I've been saying this um, over and over. There's, If you're paying Zuzi DP money and not Failhopper, then oh, that's, like, yeah. that's criminal. That is criminal. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, that's eventually setting yourself up for for a certain situation. Yep. If I had to throw my money to at somebody, it's gonna be Piotti, though. Well, let's see, who's Piotti's uh, older, I believe. Uh, Failhopper is a bit more. Piotti's thirty. Over... Well, how old is Failhopper? Thirty, I think. Diaz is tw- isn't Diaz in his early or late twenties? Like twenty-five, no. twenty-six. Yeah, maybe, he's like in his at mid- the most. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Diaz then. Yeah. You just, are you just for like longevity? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, any of those three would be great to have as exactly, a oh, yeah, like, you're attacking mid. Exactly. All right. So are we? Are we? Not to strikers. Yeah, yeah strikers. strikers we go. Um, this is a little bit harder when you talk about the non-DP, right? So, um, Dom Dwyer. You threw out Dom Dwyer, who I think is an excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent call on that. Uh, I'm not entirely sure who I'd pair him with. Uh, maybe, mm, maybe Quincy Ameriqua. Uh, I would throw Juan Aguadella into the mix. Yeah. You're a huge Juan Aguadella, but uh, yeah, Too I. He's streaky. He's got a good skill set, and he's got a ridiculous per ninety rate, and he's just not played. He doesn't have an excellent per ninety he's, like, he's, like he's a lousy shot creation. Uh, that's I don't believe that's true, and I what well, I I just believe that he is a better Patrick Mullins. That's I, just that's, I will give opinion. you the fact that I think that he has a lot of interesting things, but I think it says something that Charlie Davis is is starting over him. I, I don't think it says uh, that's like saying it says something that. Uh, that a Godoy or Alashe is starting over MPG, or Godoy is starting over MPG. It doesn't. It doesn't say anything. No, it. it says a lot about MPG because look, they had a chance. They they were out central midfielders in that game, and they substituted Tommy Thompson on before MPG. Dude, he did something to piss off Dom Dwyer. He should just they don't buy like him. They, look, they don't. He doesn't fit the club. We'll go into this later. We got to keep moving. I'm trying to think of uh, other good. How about Will Bruin? Nope. I would go with CJ Sapong beforehand. In fact, I'd go Maxi Arudi before I went. Arudi is isn't Arudi at DP salary or he's at? No, he's know, not. There's he's a like lot. Of, there's a lot of. I think he's just under. As far as where Arudi's at, I think he's under. Kyle Aaron. Yeah, maybe. I'll throw him in there, even though I think he's going to regress. I think he's still probably better than the other options. Yeah, I mean, rookie of the year, 17 goals. And, I I mean, I agree, Sean. I think he's going to regress compared to his numbers last year. But, you know, hey, he's two games played and two goals scored. So. Yeah, so I guess I paired Kyle Aaron with Dom Dwyer. Yeah, that would be a good forward pairing. Uh, you ready for my uh, tactically working team that I put together? Yeah, let's is hear this, it. Is this based on fantasy points? No, this is based on because you can't put together. If you put together like the best players, you get a team that doesn't work well together because there's not enough defensive cover and whatnot. Okay, um, let's have it. So, so uh, this is a four-two-three-one. 
it's Hamid, Tierney, Ike, Simon, Rogers. Um, then I have De Jong and Trap. So I have a pure defender, uh, a holder. I like how you swapped. You you swapped out Simon for Waston, but keep going. I did because I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So yeah. Um, then I have Legette because he's two way. Um, so Legette's one of the wingers. So he's two way and a goal threat. So he's kind of like your Mike Grella. Um, then you have Diaz in the center as your chance creator. Failhaber out wide who can cut inside. I think that's a really good um, attacking three. And then Dwyer up top. I think that's a very good team. I think that team could win uh, MLS Cup. Maybe. Uh, I think it would be stupid not to. Yeah. Honestly, I, with that much talent, yeah. Oh, well, okay, so I caveat that with you also need at least two or three decent bench players, which, you know, Seattle could attest to. But uh, that's something different. Oh, did you speaking of Seattle? Herc Gomez is. Uh, is yeah, I saw. So. Interesting. Called that. Called that what two weeks ago? Called it. Yeah, they need depth, and he's got experience, and gives them forward depth. Well, exactly, and on top of that, he he's been. He has this thing with Seattle for a while, so. Do you want to know my my uh, if you allow DPS lineup? No. Sure you do. No. Okay. Make it quick. We're we're about done with this. I want to. I I have I have lemons and tonic water and all sorts of stuff that I am ready to cut up and go make and enjoy. Okay. Staggered staggered four three three. Hollingshead, Beasler, Simon, Rogers, Leba, Chara, Failhaber, Jubinko, Via, Drogba. It's absurd. Yeah, There's gonna be a... no width on that team. <laughs> uh, I have a diagram of how it works on my Twitter. I guarantee it works. The guarantee. Other... Guarantee. Okay. Yeah, I do. I've, I've worked it out on my FIFAs. It works great. <laughs> on your FIFAs. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for listening to us, you listener, you. Um, I don't know why you do it, but hey, give us some feedback. Go out to AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. You know what? Shoot us some emails. You can go out to the to the little tab that has the contact us. I I, I don't actually remember what it's called, uh, but you can go out there. Um, oh yeah, it's actually called contact us. I looked it up. Bam, contact us. Send us some e- emails. Tell us that we're doing a crappy job and how you'd like somebody different to host, and then we can send you hate mail back. Um, you can follow Sean at Sean underscore uh, what you you're just at Sean Stefan correct? That is correct. I'm mm-hmm. Harrison underscore Crow. Justin is anonymous, so we're gonna keep it that way. Um, but go out, listen to us, rate us or something, so other people can hate us too. Um, we're not going away. We enjoy doing this. This is for fun. This is for funsies. Um, if you do have some input that's I don't know somewhat helpful. Uh, shoot us an email. We're always glad to talk. We're always glad to have more guests on. Uh, special thanks to Kareem Williams for coming on and uh, on the first half and chit-chatting with us. Uh, he, he's really uh, a fun kid to, to chit-chat with, and he, hopefully he'll have some more ASA stuff coming out in the near future. So uh, besides that, Justin, say goodbye. Goodbye. Sean, say goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm Federico Higuain. You guys have a great week.
Shut your face, high school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Plays the beams. We're about to awesome all your dreams. And you'll say, What are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, Yes, I bought Pip from the future. And I'm going deaf for cheesy. Say whatever I think you're moron. 